Yeah, I'm excited about uh, talking about this for a few weeks. It, it would definitely be a piece of, of thinking and a piece of theology that uh, needs to really get clear in us because I, I was raised uh, with an idea, and I think I actually just sort of built this on my own, that uh, God was a God who was looking for ways to discipline me or punish me or give back to me uh, some of the bad things I had done and to realize that God is a good God who does good things for his children is for some people uh, a definite turn and a shift in the way that they view uh, God, the way they view life, the way they view uh, interaction with life. And so we're on a bit of a journey here. For some of us, this is reminder. For some of us, this is like, like new thinking entirely. But James 1 verse 17 says this, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In other words, God, there's never a day that God isn't a good God. Every good thing given is from above. Every good thing in my life comes from God. And I spent some time last week, which I won't spend uh, hardly any time on today, just helping us kind of think about the idea that as a child, we don't connect the dots on the good things that come into our life. We think they just appear. The clothes appear, the food appears, the fridge appears, the bed appears, the house appears, uh, all the toys appear, uh, the love appears. And, and we got to eventually grow up enough to make the connection that those good things that are in our life came from someone and I think just a reminder and understanding that everything good in my life is coming from God. God is the source. God is the originator of all good things. Don't attach God to bad. Attach God to good. And, and I, hope that, I hope this gets like seeping in to the way you really view God and view life and view your life, that this is the nature of God. This is the disposition of God toward us. This is, this is the character of God. Our God is a good God. And, you know, we see lots of um, examples of people that follow after a God that would not be giving us this concept of a good God who desires to do good things. Our God, Yahweh, is a good God who wants to do good things for his children. Somebody say, amen. Come on. So let, let, me, uh, let me unpack a few ideas to, uh, today. Uh, I want to talk about the origin of favor. And uh, I want to talk about this idea right off the bat. The origin of favor is grace. It is the favor of God. It is the fact that God looks upon us favorably, that we are one of his favorites, uh, that, that has God giving good things into our life. Uh, you don't give good things to, th to people you don't look favorably upon. And the, the favor of God or the good things of God come into our life because of the grace of God. 
Not because of, of we have somehow earned a capability for God to give us those things, but it comes by his grace. So, uh, so there's some words that I want to kind of drill down on and, and, and get us thinking about. And, uh, and favor is one of those words, and good things is another one of those words, and mercy and grace are two of those words. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. <laughs> it's when God withholds what we actually deserve. Um, and how many of you are glad that you don't get what you deserve? Uh, you know, and uh, we and and remember you that you that you said Amen to that uh, when I get further in on this message. But uh, but that is mercy. Mercy is. God doesn't deliver over to us what we really deserve. Grace is we actually get what we don't deserve. So mercy is withholding the judgment or the, you know, we sowed bad seed, but thank God for crop failure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know? Uh, mercy is keeping the bad thing from coming into our life or us getting what we deserve. And that gets us up to maybe level ground. Grace is when God begins to give us what we don't deserve. When we start to move into a place where we are actually receiving things that we don't. Favor is the outworking of God's grace. God's grace gives us the gift of salvation, and this is how we often view grace. Often it's sort of grace, by grace we are saved. And so we think of grace as the giving us the gift of salvation, and, and I'm glad for that, aren't you? I mean, you know, the gift of, of spending eternity in heaven with God is given to us as a gift. But I want us to know that grace isn't, what, isn't just what gets you in the door. Grace keeps giving the gift of favor into your life. Grace keeps giving the good things of God into your life. There's a, there's a great uh, Bible story you find in Luke 15, and I'm not going to read the whole story, but it's, it's the story of the prodigal son. And, and in this story, there is a father who is considerably capable and well-off um, and has quite an estate, and he has two sons. And the youngest son uh, says, I would like to take all my inheritance. And the, the younger son takes off with his inheritance. And the Bible says it, he is fast living. He is bad decision. I mean, you know, those two things kind of go together sometimes. Um, he, is, he is spending his, his inheritance on partying and and out, and all of a sudden, it's gone. It's all gone. And then he finds himself away from his father, away from home, uh, having spent out his entire inheritance and misused his inheritance. And he is, he is feeding the pigs. He is living amongst pigs. Um, you will become like you, the people you hang around with. And he's living amongst the pigs, and that's why you don't want to wrestle with a pig, because you, you, you both get muddy, you won't like it, the pig will enjoy it immensely. It's also why you shouldn't argue on Facebook. Thank you very much. Um, 
I really is dumb to do, sorry. But, but, uh, but he's living amongst the pigs, and, and, like, and he's wishing that he could eat pig food. Uh, and literally, uh, they, he's like, I'm desiring to eat the corn husk that the pigs eat. And so one day, finally, he goes, let me just go back home and see if my dad will take me in as a slave, uh, if he'll just take me back at all. And he, he returns home, and his dad sees him coming down the road and runs out to greet him, to embrace him, and to say, welcome home, son. We, we serve a good God who, who, no matter what we have done, he's always there to welcome us back and to draw us back in and to say, you are always welcome in, in my house. And, and there's, there's one son that is not taking advantage at all of his inheritance. He is, he is living well beneath the good things that his father wants to provide for him. And there's another son that has taken all of those things that have been given to him, and he, he misuses those things. And so God, the, the father receives back the son who returns, and he makes this choice to return to his father. And it's our prayer today that maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe your relationship with the Lord is not where it used to be, and that you would make that decision to choose to come home because God receives you with open arms when you decide to come home to him. And I think it's interesting because, you know, mercy said to the son, you can come home. You don't, you're not going to get what you deserve. You blew the inheritance. You messed up. You don't, you, if I gave you what you deserve, then you, you know, you couldn't even come back. But, but the father goes beyond mercy into grace, and he gives him, he loads him up with good things. The, the Bible says that he gives him a, a robe because he'd been kind of smelling a little piggish. So, but, he, but that robe is his covering uh, that he gives to him. He, the Bible says that the father came and gave him a, a ring, a family ring, which is the authority of the family. He gives him sandals, which, which most uh, commentaries would say is a signal of servants would go barefoot so that they'd be left barefoot so they couldn't run away. But sons had sandals, and he's saying, look, I'm receiving you back. Mercy said, you can come back if you want. Grace said, I'm going to restore you with a robe. I'm going to re restore you with a ring. I'm going to restore you with sandals. You're going to be a son. I know you're thinking, I'm just going to come back with my head hanging. I'm going to be a servant, but you can come on back. I'll give you everything. Grace is the outworking of favor in our life. Favor is the outworking of grace in our life. And I should add that he gives him a fatted calf, a fattened calf. Come on, anybody like steak? Come on, anybody like a good hamburger? <laughs> I know probably Asheville, this is the wrong crowd to preach that to, right? But hey, there's a reason UJ is always full of people. 
And he not only restores him and says, mercy says you can come back, but grace loads him up with, with good things above and beyond. And the origin of favor at work in our life is the grace of God. I want to read a, a, a couple of verses from the Amplified version. And if you're not familiar with the Amplified, it's sort of an expanded uh, looking at the nuance of either the Hebrew of the Old Testament or the Greek of the New Testament. But uh, I want to read a couple of verses out of, uh, out of the Amplified. Ephesians 2, verse 8. It says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, everybody say favor, <coughs> that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvations, salvation through your faith. This salvation is not of yourselves. It's not of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it's the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can, take, can pride himself in it or take glory to himself for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated. It doesn't matter how you were born the first time. When you get born again, you're born different. Amen. Born anew, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may now do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand, for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. And I love this, living the good life. Somebody say the good life. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Favor isn't fair. Favor ain't fair. <laughs> Grace is not fair. So quit trying to make it about fair. Now, you know, when you really start to think about fair, it, it can become a, a, a bit of fishing wire in your brain because you can't actually live by fair. This life is not fair. Favor is not fair. Grace is not fair. And I find that it's hard to let go of fair. My head wants to hold on to fair. That's not fair. They're not nearly as smart as me. Why are they doing so well? That's not fair. They are... They. <laughs> There, we could come up with any number of reasons. How many times have you looked at somebody that, is, that has blessing on their life and you're going, are you kidding me? It's, it's hard to let go of fair. And I think people have, this is one of those ideas that, that people make up in their own mind that somehow they think God is fair. God is not fair. God is a God of grace. Grace is not fair. 
Grace is God's choice to do good things in your life, not based on fear, but based on his character. So we hold on to fear, and when it works against us, you know, when, when something happens that, that's against us, we go, well, that's not fair. Have you ever done it? That's not, we all have. That's not fair. But I just want to suggest that haven't there also been times when unfair good things have happened for you? Nobody goes, well, that's just not fair. <laughs> and I think you have this story, this story that's normally called the, the prodigal story of the prodigal son, but I think it's just as much a story about the prodigal son and about the older son, because the older son is staying back, not choosing, not receiving, not apprehending what his inheritance offers to him, not, not embracing the good things, and he's standing back and just sort of going through the motions of living when there is this enormous inheritance available for him. And when and you, if you read the story, if you know the story, when the fattened calf is brought out and the party goes on, the, the oldest son comes up and says, that's not fair. Because he's trying to play the fair game. I'm encouraging you to work this out in your own heart, in your own head, that you will let go of fair and take hold of favor. All right, second idea that I want to uh, drill down on today is this. The truth of favor supersedes or goes beyond the experience of the pain of life. I don't want any of us to make, have a misunderstanding as we journey through this concept that God is a good God who gives good things, to think that favor exempts us from the ups and downs of life. It's still going to get cold no matter how much you love God. You're still going to gain weight if you eat too many cookies. Darn it. There are still going to be Hurricane Matthews. There's going to be life is full of ups and downs. Life is full of cycles of good and bad. But what I'm, what I'm wanting us to, to immerse ourselves in is this idea. The path of favor winds up to the mountaintop. Woohoo! But it also winds down to the valley. That God is still a good God who does good things, even though your experience today might be in the valley. That doesn't change who God is. God is a good God who does good things, no matter if you're on the mountaintop and you're feeling it, or if you're in the valley 
and you're going, this ain't fair. Psalm 71, uh, verse 19 through 21, this is the uh, New Living Translation. It says, your righteousness, O God, reaches to the highest heavens. You've done such wonderful things. Who can compare with you, O God? You have allowed me to suffer much hardship. But, come on, everybody say, but, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to even greater honor, to better than before, and comfort me once again. Here's what I'm saying. The goodness of God does not cancel the pain of life's hardship. But the goodness of God exceeds the pain of life's hardship. God's undeserved goodness, good things that are given by the grace of God, it's not just equal to the hardships of life. God's undeserved goodness and favor is greater than the hardships of life. I'm going to ask you to think with me this morning. It's a hard thing to do. The truth of God's grace and favor, the truth of God's desire to do good things is greater than the facts of your experience. Can I say it again? The truth of God's goodness and favor, of his grace and his favor, the truth of God's desire to do good things, that truth is greater than your facts, your experience. We gotta, we, gotta, we gotta get this straight in our heads and our heart and our outlook on life. Truth supersedes facts. Grace gives favor, right? Faith embraces what grace gives. And just as this passage we read in Ephesians says, by the grace of God, you get it's given, but by but our faith receives it. So faith accepts, faith receives, faith apprehends what God says is true, and then lives like that's true, even though at this moment, what you're feeling right now. That truth may not appear true, but it's a greater truth than the facts. Faith embraces that there is a greater reality than the way I feel this morning. Faith embraces that there's a greater reality than my present circumstances. Faith is not, doesn't ignore the facts. Faith embraces that there's a greater truth than the facts. Everybody with me? And, there's, and 
if you're going through a season where it feels like good things are not happening in your life, just keep walking with God because he doesn't change and he's got good things in his mind, in his heart, in his plan, in his intention for you. Faith embraces God's truth over the facts. Anybody who's ever accomplishing anything in the earth, uh, I listened to a podcast yesterday where there are a couple of guys who are, who are extremely successful and innovative guys. They were, they were talking about, they're not godly men at all, really, but they were talking about nothing is impossible, that when somebody says something is impossible, that's just their opinion on the matter. And that, in fact, there are possibilities. And the minute you say that's not possible, you've shut yourself off from the possibilities. And so it's an understanding that people have. But here's the understanding that you and I can embrace and that we can have is that we're not just, we're not just pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and saying, doggone it, everything's possible. <laughs> we are, we are, resting in the grace and the favor of a God who doesn't change ever, no shifting shadow, and always desires to bring eventually good things into our life. Come on. The facts were that there were giants and walls around Jericho. But the truth was, God said, I'm giving you the city. The facts were, Goliath was huge and intimidating and taunted the armies of Israel for 40 days. And when David came up, the facts were, Goliath was much bigger than him. His obstacle was much bigger than him. But the truth is that God was bigger than Goliath. Come on, you can't just let facts tell you how you feel or think about God. The fact was Gideon's family was the least. They were from the wrong side of the tracks. They were from the backside of Canton. My apologies. <laughs> Gideon was a fearful little man. He was timid and afraid of life. Those were the facts. But the truth was God's call on him was greater than all of that. And I'm just, I'm here to help us embrace this idea. Any place that my life doesn't line up with God's statement of truth, then my job is to hold on to a good God who does good things and embrace him and know that though I am in the valley, he is still good. And he has got good things in his heart and in his mind and in his plan for me. It's, it's the paradigm that I hold on to. It's the perspective I take on life. I, I, was, I was born and raised 
in New Orleans, home of the New Orleans Saints, sorry to say this year. But I was raised in a uh, probably lower middle class type of family. Uh, and I have four brothers. So I had an, an economic, spiritual culture in my family that created a, mer- a paradigm and a mindset. It's my experience. And I I've, have had to recognize that my experience is pretty limited. It's not the same experience that someone in Saudi Arabia has grown up with or someone in the Sudan has grown up with or someone in Europe has grown up with. One of the values of being able to travel to dozens of different nations is to recognize how limited our experiences and our mindset really is. My experience is pretty limited. So are yours. And when people say, this is my reality, you know, when rappers will rap about life on the streets is so hard, you got to eat lard or something, I don't know what they do, but... (laughs) We all shoot each other, and we're all, and all the female dogs, and you know, I mean, it's all that. And they want to go, well, this is my reality. That's your reality, excuse me, in, in, the, in the five mile square that you've lived in, but it's not my reality. And I'm I'm just saying to you that to assess the goodness of God based on your experience is a pretty small outlook on life. Millions of people, hundreds of millions through history, have had vastly different experiences than you. Some have had better experiences than you. The majority have actually had worse experiences than you. And, I, and, and I'm just, I'm just talking. It's church, it's us, right? I'm just talking. People go, how could God be good and this thing go on in, you know, in Africa or Hurricane Matthew or Haiti or whatever. And I'm just, I'm just saying to you, you can't judge the character of God based on your experience because God is way bigger. The truth of who he is, that he is a good God is bigger than your experience. I'm saying to you, let his word 
shape your life rather than trying to let your life shape his word. I'm saying to you, judge life standing on the word of God because it was here long before you were born and it'll be here long after you're gone. Judge life from the word of God rather than let your life and limited tiny little experience assess his word. Come on, when you hold on to his word, when you hold on to his goodness, it will start to shape the way you think. It will shape the way you feel. It will shape your actions. It will shape your words. Come on, when you really believe that God's got good things in store for you, when you really believe you're, gonna, you're an overcomer, you'll act like an overcomer. When you really believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you'll act righteous. When you really believe that favor is on your life because of the grace of God, you start acting like favor is on your life. See, I think when we really believe that God is a good God, that he gives good things based on his grace, not my performance, I get to choose, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, you, putting on the right lens, choosing your angle. The last thing I want to say is this, and let me finish. Number three, favor is based on whose we are, not who we are. God's favor, which gives us good things, is based on a relationship. God wants you to know that his favor flows as naturally into your life as a good father's favor flows into his kids' lives. God's favor is available for anyone that will choose to have a relationship with him. If you choose a relationship with God, he looks at you as a son, as a daughter. I love you. I love your kids. But I'm not buying your kids a car. Like I did for mine. God's favor is not about who you are, but whose you are. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and my daughters. Fathers show favor toward their children. Favor is heaven's nepotism. Some people don't like the idea of nepotism, but we're all nepotists. We all look at our kids in a different way than we look at other people's kids. We all, we all view favoritism nepotism is favor that's shown by a relative or by someone in power. And there's bad nepotism. That is children who are given a great inheritance, the, the, the prodigal son, and then they don't put any value on that inheritance and they waste it, they misuse it. But there's also a good nepotism where children steward the great opportunities give to them. True it, Kathy formed this great company called Chick-fil-A. Come on. Christian chicken. 
And Christian French fries. Mmm. Jesus. Suck it in. But his son Dan took that company to an even greater level with even greater leadership than his amazing father. That's good nepotism. Matthew 7, 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, somebody say much more, not barely, but much more, will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I'm reminding you today that God is interested in you, in every little thing. I think many people miss out on the good things of God because somehow they think this is trivial. God's running the universe. But I want to suggest to you that God may actually, at this point in your life, just be showing up in all of the trivial little good things. And we, we're waiting for it all to get perfect, but in fact, if we could just open our eyes to look out and realize, here are the good things God is doing in my life. I find when my kids are appreciative of what I've already done, it opens my heart to do more. I, I, I want you to get confident about the favor of God being on your life. A confidence that He's called you. A confidence that He's chosen you. A confidence that you're his child. I occasionally will, if I can, slip away and go pick up my grandson uh, from school. He's in aftercare a few days a week, and I'm just trying to rescue him from having to be at school for 10, 12 hours sometimes. And if I can slip away, I'll go, I'll go to, to pick him up. And uh, as soon as I show up, his, his eyes light up. And it's Papa, and he's running because he recognizes ice cream is coming. <laughs> so, something is about as good is about to happen. <laughs> Come on. Can you hear what I'm saying? That the same way I look at my little grandson, the same way I look at my kids, your father is looking at you like that. I want to pray with you today. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. And I just want to give this opportunity for everyone in this room. Maybe, maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've never opened your heart to God. Maybe you thought it was a bunch of rules and regulations. And I just, I just want you to open up your heart to this God who loves you this God who is for you, certainly there are things that he's going to tell you to stay away from that. But God is a good God who gives good gifts to his kids. Maybe you've never embraced him. Maybe you're here today and you might be like the prodigal son. You've, you've taken off and you've, you're separated and you might find yourself 
in a bad place, today would be a great day to come home. Maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. No one looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Everyone is staying still for just a moment. You say, Pastor, I, I want to give my life to Christ, I, or I want to come back to him, or I just I want to know that I know that I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me. Pray for me. All over this room, just open up your heart, open up your life. God bless you. Come on, is there anybody else that would just say, yeah, that's me. Pray for me. Pray with me. I want God in my life. Let's pray this prayer together. Thank you. It's for everyone who would lift their hands, but it's also a good prayer for all of us to pray. Let's all pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world. I know I've sinned, and I'm sorry. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning, as I embrace Jesus as the Lord of my life. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.